G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Today we are doing our very first mock draft and I'm joined by the very great Josh Lloyd. Let's go! Talking about G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter or X at Ball Boys Fantasy. And like I said off the top here, guys, we're doing a mock draft, the first one of the season. It's a nine-category, 12-team uh, head-to-head mock, and I'm joined by the one and only Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball. How are you, Josh? Mitchell, welcome. Oh, not welcome. You're welcoming me. I forgot. I forgot where I am, what I was for a second there. Hello. Yeah. Good to be here. You're the guest for, for, the, for once. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's good to have you on. We were just talking before the, the show. It's, um, it's early season. Both you and I have only done, uh, I think, a couple of mocks, or this might be your second of the season. It's, uh, it's still August, and we're doing mock drafts. But um, welcome to the show, mate, and uh, it's good to have you on. Everything's always always seems to be pushing early. I looked at last year, like my first mock draft that I did on the channel last year was August thirtieth, and you know we're here the 29th and yeah, I did one last week. You were doing your third mock draft here, the first on your channel, but this is, mock drafts have been going on for ages and I always push back on it, but at some point you just got to dive in. some point you got to dive in and, and start to ramp up the hype and uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously people might be aware that I've been doing the fantasy AFL for the last sort of several months, so that's now in the books and, and finished up and we're, you know, first week after that season's done, we're into, we're into fantasy basketball and mock drafts are ready to go. So, We'll um we'll push pull us over to the draft room and you will be selecting five. I am selecting at pick number three. I think um before we get started here, I think there's a pretty consensus, at least so far from what I can tell, a consensus kind of top six. Do you like subscribe to that? Um, I guess those thoughts there. Well, that's interesting. I I think it's probably more more of a seven. Because okay. I, I, I'm going to assume, like I haven't seen a ton of discussion on that because I purposely avoid a lot of it um, about it. But I'm guessing you're going to say Jokic, Embiid, Shea, Halliburton, Doncic, and Tatum as the top six. Yep, yep, those would be the six. So then I, I would I would suggest there's probably very little debate that Steph would be at seven. Yeah, yeah, I think I think Steph would be there. I think some people might say Giannis might be there as well if you're inclined to sort of, I guess, punt the free throws and, and maybe you're assuming his defensive stats come along. But I think because there's that like slight debate, that's why I sort of feel like six is the, the definite and then that seven could be Steph or Giannis depending on which way you go. I'd probably have Steph there, but I think some people have taken Giannis at, at seven. So Yeah, I guess you could say there's a top six and then there's probably a clearly defined top eight yeah. after that. And then the mock draft I did last week, I was at nine and that's like, that's, okay, what that's am I going to do? Right there. Like, well, like, what am I doing at this spot? Like that is where we can go in so many different directions. But uh, I do think that that top six, I, I don't think I would take any, like I wouldn't take Giannis or Steph probably in the top six. So you, you could say those six are settled, but I also don't think that there's anyone else you'd go with at seven or eight either. All right, so let's come around to me. I've got pick three here. I've got a, a real tight group of guards with Luca, Tyrese Halliburton, and Shea here at my next spot. I'm, I don't really think there's much between any of them. Um, 
depending on what you want to do with your team. I'm, I'm going to go with Shea at this point here um, and see how I go and experiment with him at my pick number three. But Jokic and Embiid went off one and two. I think they're pretty clear top two. Luca goes after me, and it's over to you, Josh. Who are you uh, going here at this point? Um, I think I'm going to... I'm going to take... Ooh, I think I'm going to take Halliburton. At this spot, I I know that people will be looking at, at Tatum and saying that that's an obvious one because you know Tatum doesn't get hurt, but I'm never going to rely upon that. Like it's you'll get hurt at some point. It's going to happen. I guarantee you, it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it is going to happen. And also in a head-to-head league, Tatum's numbers they're, they're strong, but he doesn't have a, a real killer category the way that Halliburton does with his assist numbers. Um, so I better just shut up and, and take Tyrese. But I, don't, I also don't think it's wrong if you want to take Tatum there. I just don't yeah. really buy that you know he's indestructible isn't going to play 80 games every year I, I agree with that sentiment I think um, Tatum to me is like clear six because I don't think he can approach like the top five on a per game value and you're picking him there because he's consistent because he's young and he's sort of you know he, he's he's good enough to be in that mix and there's no real question marks about his role playing time or anything like that um, so he sort of just falls to me at six whereas those three guards I think have a more of a per game upside yeah. to push even higher. So, um, I also don't think it's, it, I, and I say this all the time, I don't think it matters. Like yeah. I just, or whatever, like if you take Tatum or take Halliburton at, or you take Shea or you take Doncic, it doesn't actually matter. Or if you take Steph at six or you take Giannis at six, again, it doesn't matter. Like it's not winning or losing what you do. I don't think like in those decisions that we agonize over it, but I don't think it actually is making or breaking your draft or your league. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's a very good point. Like, and you can sort of, you know, agonize over, it. and I, I know I agonize it over a fair bit as well. I mean, it's fun. It's fun to sort of figure out who you're going to take. At the hey, first they're the draft, best players. But... They're, the, they're the best players. So you want to be focusing on the better players. But in the scheme of things, it, it's not going it to win your league. Yeah. It doesn't change the result. I think. Yeah, you. Um, I think you've. I've. I've seen you post a few things about Shay and sort of his week to week variability and things like that. And I think I remember seeing something on Twitter. You said that he was sort of top ten in X number of weeks, and then outside top fifty in a few weeks. Um, do you know off the top of your head, I'm probably putting you on the spot here, but of like the first round guys, who was the most or some players that were the most consistent at producing weekly top 12 numbers? I don't, but what I do know is that I, I didn't, when I put that out and what the, what the thing was is that Shea was on like totals per week and Shea was what the third or fourth best player for the season, whatever it was, but over the 24 fantasy weeks, he was a top 10 player seven weeks, right? Which is insanely low. But it wasn't about Shay. Like, it wasn't me picking on Shay. He was just a name that I picked because he actually played a game in every single week, and a lot of those guys didn't. So he had your consistent sort of numbers, and he played some games during every week where some guys, like Jokic, missed some some full weeks of of action. Um, But it wasn't picking on him. But everyone else, basically everyone, is very is quite variable in their overall production, and people go, "Well, you got to normalize it for uh, per game value." But that's not actually how fantasy works, though. So. Even though that does give you a better idea, is he actually varying that much? When you actually break it down, I'm just really focusing on this more this season, is when you break it down, you actually need totals in a week to win a week. It's not about totals for a season. It's not about necessarily per game averages for an entire season. You actually need totals in a week. And it wasn't a picking on shade. The, the guy, the answer to your question is Jokic, who was... Yeah, I think he's like, He was like, man, I, I, I didn't look at everybody, like, to be fair. Maybe yeah. I looked at four, four or five guys, but everyone's graph was a little bit over the place. And he, his was, to a degree, but it was like maybe 15 weeks as a, a top 10 player. Um, and then some weeks where he was way out of it because he missed entire weeks. 
but he was the guy who was more consistently there. But overall, the whole thing goes to that everyone's production is really quite variable. And when you look at your know, weekly top lists and you say, well, huh, why is, why is Bol Bol the seventh ranked player for this week? Because that happened one week, right? Yeah. And that's, that's weird. And there's those random names scattered all the way through it. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I, I, th- I thought it was an interesting sort of, um, you know, stat you threw out there. And I just, yeah, wondered if there was, I guess, I, I, I thought Jokic because obviously he was by far and away the best player last year. But I wonder if there was anything else that, that came up. Just to circle back on a couple guys that have been picked, Anthony Edwards went at pick number 12. Just wanted to highlight him as it comes up to your pick in a second. What, what are your thoughts on him going at the end of the first, start of the second round, which it seems like the hype is pushing him there? I think it's ridiculous. I, honestly, like, could he get there? Maybe. What are we banking on, though? Like, again, I I will talk about this a lot, Mitch. But does anyone has anyone seen the last two games in the World Cup where he scored thirteen and fourteen points and yeah, shot like thirty five percent yesterday and was like fifty five percent from the line the game before? Like, I know he dominated in some warm up games as, as it's my turn to pick. But okay, do we are we going to talk about these other subpar performances? Which again is totally okay, but. You're expecting a guy to be consistently productive to take him in the first round. He's a long way off that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it's getting a bit rich for my blood. Now, you're on the clock here. You've picked uh, Tyrese Halliburton with your first pick. Mm. Who are you looking for at this spot? I think we're going to double down on guards. I think I'm going to take Van Vliet here. I'm not loving that, though. What do I, see, I would take Harden, but it's just it's too risky. Um, yeah. No, nah, no. Nah, you know what? No, you know what? I am going to take Harden. It is risky, but that is at that spot. I, th- I think I'll give a pant. It is a mock draft, and we don't know. This is why I don't do drafts at this point of the year. Um, <laughs> yeah. But if he does play, I think I think that's pretty good value there. I, th- I think it's great value, and I think it's also a great value with the player that you selected first in terms of Tyrese Halliburton because you've got elite assists, you've got um, great free throw percentage, great threes, steals are really nice there. You're looking at a nice sort of, I guess, early punt points kind of a build with two elite guards yeah. to, to start off. So I actually like that pairing. Of course, there's some risk, but... Again, it's August. Um, all right, now I'm on the clock here. 17 seconds. I've started with Shake. You're just Alexander. Bit of a tough spot in the board right now. Oh, I've got to turn those sounds off there. Um, let's look at... I'm going to lean into a bit of a build here, and I'm going to select Kristaps Porzingis at 22. Um, maybe a little bit earlier than I would have liked to have got him. I was hoping to get a Donovan Mitchell on the way back, but he went a bit earlier. But I think... I'm going to lead into, and I'm going to attempt a little bit of a punt assist build today because I'm liking the way that's looking early on, and Kristaps Porzingis in that um, scenario is probably around that point there. So we'll see how we go. Although I was probably a bit un- unprepared trying to trying to do a, a mock draft, and that's what happens when, uh, you're, talking, when you're talking, man. So that's when you're talking and drafting. It's bloody impossible. Um, <laughs> I think yeah, I think it's probably. I reckon. I feel really confident. That you- I'm not really confident. I think you probably could have got him back at 27. I probably could have, yes. Especially with the injury. But, yeah, whatever. Like, again, it's he's, a, he's, got, he's going to lose usage. I don't think there's really much debate uh, about that this season. It, but the punt assist uh, direction is always one that's strong. Like, it, it, he's successful every single year. Um, the problem with that is you often go with so many low-volume guys that variance does become more of a problem when you have low-volume players that, like, these guys are, are doing... S- they're not scoring in high amounts or doing a lot of things in high volume that small changes lead to big variations in your overall production. 
Yeah, I think that that also would be, I guess, the um, for, for your build. I mean, I don't know if you are leading into a punt point situation. That is also something that I often consider when doing that kind of a thing, which is, again, why that mm-hmm. James Harden pick is also sometimes really, really good because of that free throw, I guess, buffer that you give yourself in terms of if you do select some of those poor free throw percentage bigs later on, which are good in that build, um, to give yourself a bit more room for that. All right, yeah. back over to me. Um, now, I'm looking at a couple of those other guys. Now, one guy that's staring me in the face here is a Kawhi Leonard, a Paul George, some of these guys that are a bit more injury-prone that probably beat this on a per-game basis. Has Jimmy Butler gone? Yeah, he just he went has. at 24, yeah. Okay, so that's another guy I'm looking at around this spot. Fred Van Vliet is still there. Um now, my field goal percentage is looking pretty good. Um, I think I'm just going to take Freddie at this spot as the best player available. I don't think I want to pair Kawhi PG with someone like Porzingis there. So, I think I'll go Fred Van Vliet and boost up my threes, steals, free throw percentage. Yes, he gets me some decent assists, but again, I'm trying to look for my other stats as well. You surprised to see Mikael Bridges still there. To me, he's nearly always going in the second round. Uh, I, I am a little bit surprised that he's still there. This is more along where I value him. I don't necessarily see him as like a second, maybe late third kind of a guy for me. I'm a little bit worried about the defensive stats that fell off and the, I guess, the percentages and um, I guess efficiency that happened towards the end of last year, whether that drops even further. So this is more in line, obviously he just went now, but this is more in line where I have him rather than where I've seen him go, which has been the second round. Yeah, I agree. This is about, I probably would have, I would look, if he was still there for my pick, which is now I wouldn't have taken him. I would have let it slide. I'm not sure what I'm going to do here. Look, Kawhi is obviously the best option there. And honestly, if he hadn't torn his meniscus in the playoffs, I would have taken him because he was absolutely rolling. But that sort of just sets him back a little bit. Paul George is, is an option. I'm just going to put my money where my mouth is and I'm going to take, oh, do I do it? Oh, maybe. Yeah, I'm going to take Kate Cunningham. Yeah, I knew it. Spot. That's good. Because no, I like I just, it. I really think that, I know people shit on how bad he was last year. He averaged 26 and 6. All right, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I know he shot poorly, but it was 12 games. He upped basically every rate, uh, you know, every volume stat from his rookie season. He just shot really badly. And maybe he does it again. I don't know. But I'm also okay with that. And I think that if we're looking at guys, there's, I've got these three guys who I think are going to go outside the first round, and, and maybe Anthony Edwards isn't going to go outside the first round, but there, there's three guys I think who have got that chance to push in. It's him, it's Booker, it's Edwards, who I think can be first-round guys by the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think he's um, probably getting a bad rap. Obviously, he played, what was it, 11, 12 games last yeah, 12 season? Games. And um, yeah, it was. I guess it was a disappointing 12, round, uh, 12 games, especially where people took him last season. But at the end of the day, it's 12 games. Like People have like slumps that last longer than that. Um, mm. So I don't think last year is a fair representation of what we can expect from Cade moving forward or anything like that. And um, yeah, I'm almost surprised that the, the, the buzz isn't there because he seems like that kind of a buzzy name. And there's already reports about him and that USA selects... Um, you know, game or something like that where he and Duran were tearing it up apparently. So it was like him for some reason, but I don't know what it is. There's, there's something that is weird with him that people just don't like him. And, and I, I, again, I don't know what it is. I don't know what the problem is. Must just be because he's, I don't know, chill dude. He's not, um, he's quiet. Yeah. Not up in your face, I guess. Uh, less, less of an Anthony Edwards type. Can you, okay. I, I don't know what's going on on my screen, but on the like 
pick update thing. It says I put picked Kate at 29, which I did. But then it, does, it tells me that no one went at pick 30. Who went at pick 30? Because I see Garland at 31. Uh, Paul George went at pick 30. What's going on, Yahoo? It's not even on my screen. Like, it just goes 29, 31. All right, cool. That's weird. Yahoo just playing tricks on us. <laughs> yeah, just, just trying to shaft me, just not telling me what's just, going on. Just trying to keep keep everything a mystery from you, putting you at disadvantage. Bloody hell. Uh, so after my pick, Fred Van Vliet, it went Mikael Bridges, Cade uh, Cunningham, Paul George, Darius Garland, Chet Holmgren just went at 32, and then Jalen Brunson at 33. I think also before my pick as well, Victor Wemanyamba went at 25. Now, he's obviously... One of the uh, more interesting players to go off the board here. What What are your thoughts on both Victor Wembanyama and Chet Holmgren? I think I saw you you do a show on the rookies uh, earlier today. So yeah, um, came out today. Um, I think both of them have gone too high there. I think that they're probably more round four players. Um, Chet's probably a little bit lower that in a points format. Um, yeah, I, I, look, there is a legitimate chance that Victor's a top twenty player and the Chet's a top twenty five to thirty guy this season, but. I'm not taking them there. Like it's just, it's just not, it's just not good um, strategy. I don't think. I think, um, I think there's more of a chance that they're there in the second half of the year. Obviously, we talk about rookies, That's and um, a lot of the times they get better closer towards a fantasy playoff. So I think if you're taking them there, as long as you have the expectation that you're going to have to put up with some pain early in the season, and hopefully it, you know, you're, you're rewarded come fantasy playoffs. I think that's the mindset I would implore people to take. But yeah, I think early in the season there, there will be some struggles as there are with a lot of other rookies. Yeah, it always happens. Uh, now, all right, so we're a fair few picks away from mine here, Mitchie. I'm at 44 coming up. I'm considering Zion. What, what do you think of that? Uh, look, I don't mind it. Now, for your team... Yeah, I don't, yeah that's what I don't know it's about. A little bit, it's a little bit funky, yeah. but yeah. perhaps if you want to really save that field goal percentage, it could be worth... Oh, I've got this... Uh, I'm usually off the Zion bandwagon. I'm not usually a big fan of him from a fantasy basketball perspective, especially. But for some reason this year, I've just got this, uh, I don't know, call it a gut feel that he's um, he's going to come out and, and just be a monster. I don't know if it's the off-season stuff that maybe just put him in line and he's, he's going to get his shit together. But uh, I've, I've got a gut feeling that he's going to come out and, and put up some big numbers this year. The thing with Zion, Mitch, is that Whenever he plays, he puts up big numbers. Like he, he has dominated for two straight years. Maybe, maybe I'm talking more the uh, big half. numbers in the games played column. Yeah, well, that's that, that's the thing, is it? Because like he, in his games played last season, in the games that he played, he was all NBA quality. He was all NBA quality the year before that. He didn't make it because Julius Randall got in. I think it was in that year. But yeah, he's he's I, I, to me, he is literally unstoppable on the court. Like that's yeah. he is like they you can't stop him. And if He's able to stay healthy. And yeah, there are obviously holes in his game fantasy-wise, right? He's not hitting threes. The free throws are a problem. The defensive stats aren't where you'd hope they would be. But getting 29 points a game on maybe 60% shootings, like that's Shaq, right? Like that's yeah, impossible to get seven rebounds and you get, um, I think you probably get a few more assists out of him this year. Uh, I don't know. Him being ranked at 78 on Yahoo X rank is obviously taking the injury consideration into it. It's still pretty low though. Like I, I would find it hard to see him slide out of the top fifty. Yeah, I, I think so. I think definitely from a per game value, you know, he's he's a good selection there. Um, I probably have him, you know, going around the forties kind of zone just to take that risk into account. But on a per game basis, and especially depending on the team you're putting him into, he could 
well exceed that value. The only, the only issue I have with him is sometimes, often, he has the free throw struggles. Mm. And when you're building a yeah. punt free throw team, you kind of accidentally draft a lot of these guys who are great field goal percentage guys anyway. So his field goal percentage is... The, the, the extreme positive that is is kind of wasted on teams like that um, versus like his value in, say, like a team that maybe you can utilize it a bit more like yours um, if you've got the free throw percentage buffer to kind of offset that. It's yeah. maybe a little bit more useful. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is like if you've built your free throws up strongly enough, and my team is probably that eighty-seven percent shooter at the moment. Yeah. That can those three guys deal with that? Maybe they probably can. And then does the field goal percentage bump it up enough? Like it probably does. But yeah, I, I also do think it's possibly a little bit too early um, for him at this spot. So you'd be at forty-four. Yeah, it's probably yeah. right around the time I'd start to consider it. Next um, one's fifth. Next one's fifty-three. And even though I've told you what I'm thinking, like I, you, you might take him, whatever. But like, I don't think many others are going to be thinking Zion at this area. And I am actually really shocked that Walker Kessler's still there. To be honest, yeah. Well, Just he's he's in my note. queue because I've I've been I've been against the Walker Kessler pick. Um, uh, same. Uh, I, no, I no no value in him in round two or round three. Yeah, round Ooh. round four though. Um, Jordan Poole at yeah. forty three. I'm I'm big on Jordan Poole this year. The only concern I have is the Washington Wizards shutdown mm. factor, which doesn't seem to be getting the chat that, for example, oh you bastard, <laughs> Evan Mobley at forty four. Yeah, I was, I we'll, we'll go we'll go back to Zion later if he's there at fifty three. But I was a little yeah I was a little surprised. I can definitely offset Mobley's free throw percentage. Yeah, you bastard. I was I was definitely eyeing off Evan Mobley. I, I would take Mobley over Walker Kessler every day of the week, though, um, to sort of bring it back to that Kessler um, argument, just because of the other things that Kessler does. Oh, sorry, other things that Mobley does compared to Kessler. Yes, Kessler's mm. probably going to get more blocks and probably get more rebounds and field goal percentage, but the fact that Mobley can get you nearly 20 points and give you a few assists and, and you know do it on decent enough free throw percentage, get a steal per game, um, I'm 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 big in on Mobley this year. Kessler's such a weird player, but oh, yeah, just to contrast these two, is like when I did a show a few weeks ago talking about statistical outliers, like the top five in each sort of category, and Kessler was like on every slide, but top five and bottom five, he was like the top five yeah. in blocks and field goals and rebounds, and he was the bottom five in threes and assists and free throw percentage impact. Like it's like, bro, like what are you, what are we doing here? Like you're. Yeah. Awesome, and you're terrible. So it makes it really hard in a in a roto format. Yeah. But it's just all over the place. He's massive extremes. In saying that, I just draft him at 46 because um, which I, which is fine. Like, I think yeah. it's okay. I don't but give a shit yeah. about his non-existent assists in my build. Um, he's going to help my field goal percentage mm-hmm. after drafting Fred Van Vliet earlier. Um, his blocks, rebounds are going to be really great for me. So I'm just mindful of the points. Um, is there anything that I do need to be aware of and the lack of them moving into this next one? So. We'll have to see how, how things go there. Yeah, that that gets you into a problem. And it's a problem with a lot of these guys, Claxton, um, uh, Daniel Gafford later on, even um, uh, sorry, yeah, well, Kessler, Mark Williams, another one of these guys who are going to give you these big, big block numbers, but they might score 13 points a game. And then that's really hard to uh, pick up later on. So because of that reason, I'm going to be drafting at this spot here, guy who was I was down on last year, but this year I am in on, and that is Tyrese. Tobias Harris. <laughs> no, his teammate. <laughs> his teammate, Tyrese Maxey, uh, I'm going to be drafting here at 51. I think, uh, yeah, I think he has a big chance to break out, big points, um, Harden potentially gone. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think he's going to have a big year. 
I don't have to make the Zion pick because someone did it for me. So I was wrong. Somebody did go inside the top 50 for yep. the big fella. What do I do here? Because I have someone that I want to take, but it is definitely too early to take. You know what? Now, nah, you know what I'm going to do? This guy is losing a bit of steam. I'm going to take Brad Beal. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he's a third round guy, but at pick 53. Yeah. Could, could he give me 23 with five and a half, six assists? Possibly, probably, maybe. I think he's going to lose a lot, right? My, my theory is always the third guy just yeah. cops the, the big hit, right? The other two are, are relatively stable usually, but the third guy takes the big hit. Um, and I think obviously that's him. And then the fourth guy gets obliterated and that's John Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, at 53, I'm okay with that. But the other guys that I had on my list there, there's no way I'm taking them at this point. The guy that went before you, um, I want to spend a bit of time up talking about it. 52, Alperen Shangun went off the board. Mm. He he is probably maybe one of the toughest guys for me to project. And because some days I think he's going to be a top 40 guy. Some days I'm worried he's going to be outside the top 70. Um, what do you think that he's going to get? Or what do you think his role is going to be under a new head coach in Houston this year? Because they've also got probably a more competent backup in Landau there, there as well, although... Um, he had that nasty ankle injury earlier, but what, what do you think about Shengun this year? Um, you, you're right. It is the tough one, and it is all just going to come down to Udoka, really, because, I look, if I was coaching the team, I'd probably just want the ball in his hands quite a bit, and, and I would want to run things through him the way that Sabonis and the way that Jokic run things, right? He can do that. It, it works pretty well. Um, but I, I don't know that Udoka's going to do that. And if Udoka doesn't want to do that, then he sort of sits out there like he's a little bit more lost on offense and then the defensive problems, which can be overblown, but they're still there. That becomes more of an issue. And the way that you can get Tari Eason on the court is by playing Jabari Smith at center. And that's what worries me more than Jock Landau. I don't think there's any real risk of Landau taking Shengun's role or minutes as such. It's more like, well, if Eason is actually this good, then Smith has to play at centre, and that's what's going to keep Shengun at 28 or 27 minutes versus blowing up into a 34-minute-a-night player. So he can easily beat this number, but probably some of the widest range of outcomes of any player, I would say. Yeah, I think, I think I'm more leaning towards the optimistic side because I'm, I'm hoping that the improvements on perimeter defense that the team will do this season with the addition of, of Brooks and Fred Van Vliet makes him look a little bit better on defense, which gets him more time onto the court, gets him more minutes um, and trust in the new head coach. But again, that's... I mean, I'm just hypothesizing. Like, I'm just, I'm just having a guess. But that's my early leanings at this point. And just like that, pocket of, of games we saw last season where the team gave him the ball and, and let him kind of run the offense. It's just tantalizing enough for me to go, yeah, this guy could still be something really special. And um, yeah, I think he could, obviously, um, has a really high upside this season. I, I had Shengun fifth in his draft class, right? Like, I'm massively high on him. That's I had him, yeah. I had him at, at Scotty Barnes. I can, you know, does Scotty Barnes win rookie? Yes. And he's probably, is that going to be wrong for me? Probably, yeah. But probably, I, still I, really, so. yeah. I still really believe in him, right, as a player. Um, it's just been a bit of a shit show the first couple of years. But he yeah. took big steps forward last year already. I, I just, it's he's not necessarily so about, it's not really, a, yeah, it's not even really about believing in Shangun. It's about what is the coach going to do. And that's the fact that they brought in Udoka, who's a big defensive coach, and also tried to sign Brook Lopez makes you go, oh, I don't know about this. Like, how are they, what are they prioritizing with him? Like, do they not? want to lean into him as the offensive centerpiece or centerpiece. I, I, I don't know. 
After your pick of Bradley Beal, after that one, we had Julius Randle, Brandon Ingram, Nikola Vucevic, Claxton, DeRozan, Paolo Boncaro, Scotty Barnes, and Rudy Gobert off the board. Interesting to see um, someone like a Vucevic, who I'm actually quite down on this season. Um, he went at 56, I want to say there. I actually still think that's a little bit early for me, but it's better than, I guess, what it has been the last couple of seasons. Um, despite him having a good season last year, I, I don't know. I've, I have a tough time thinking that he's going to shoot, what was it, 52% from the field like he did last year when he's normally been like a 47% guy. Um, Agree. Couple, a couple of bigs going off the board. Rudy Gobert, Jarrett Allen. What, do, what are your thoughts on, um, I, I think, and this is, again, part in what I'm doing with my strategy here. There seems to be some good depth at center this year. Um, at least later in the draft. There's some, there's some young bigs that I think I'm going to be targeting later. As guys, oh, um, there's tons of them. There's so many. Like you look at the list. Like I'm looking at my like draft board at the moment, and maybe he just went. But DeAndre Ayton's still there. Yucca Pertle, Daniel yep. Gafford, Mark Williams, uh, and Yucca Okongwu, Clint Capella, Rob Williams. You might think very little of Yusuf Nurkic, but he can still produce. There's tons of guys. There's so many of them around, and this is again part of when people are, are looking at Jaron Jackson as a first round guy because he gets so many blocks. There might be 15 guys who block two shots a game. Like it's, it is possible this season. Yeah. And so the idea of winning blocks on his own doesn't ex- really exist to that same degree. Um, so I agree. There is a lot. You know, Wendell Carter, another one. Mitchell Robinson. Like there's there are there is quite a quite a bit of value in the center position this year. Yeah, and I think that kind of like just down weights the, the value of some of those guys that go a bit earlier because like would you rather spend a, a you know fifth round pick or a sixth round pick on like a Jared Allen or get Mark Williams in the nineties? Um, mm. I know I, which one I'd rather do. Um, and, and again, I, you know, someone like a Jared Allen, I have concerns about because of obviously you know Evan Mobley's there, and I, I and why why I'm so high on Evan Mobley this year is I think that they're going to want to play him more at center, and Allen obviously didn't perform in the playoffs, so um, I, I fear that that might be something that they do a little bit more this season. Um, but yeah, I think I think those centers available later reduce the value of some of the early guys, despite me taking um, Walker Kessler earlier on. What do you make of Jalen Williams going to 65? I didn't think he'd ever fall as low as that, honestly. Jalen Williams. Yeah, look. Not, not that I disagree go, with it. But going into, going into the season, I thought he was going to be hyped out of out of mm. everyone's mind. But um, it's, it hasn't seemed to be happening. I think he, he kind of has been going here in the few mocks that I've been doing. And I probably have him around this kind of a spot just based on the fact that, again, the steel numbers second half of last year were big sources of his value and how much can you really project that. Um, to stick. Field goal percentage was amazing, but again, maybe you, you pull that back a little bit. Again, yeah, I think this is about right for him. He's, he sort of feels like the old Mikhail Bridges now. Um, yep, I get that. Which is kind of like how I view him, so I guess this is about the right spot. I thought the people would be definitely taking him in the fourth round. Um, I think it's totally fine here. I think it's... But it also... I think plays into the idea is that like we talk about while well, he was 30th or whatever he was post all star break. And that's probably because there was 10 guys who yeah. would be in the top 30 that, that weren't playing at that time. Also not to yeah. downgrade everything that he's doing, but also just goes to show you the depth of things in the league. Also that a guy going at 66, like it's, no difference between a 35th guy or the 80th guy. It's such a small change. Like yeah. I'll, I've told this story on my podcast, but I'll, Actually, you know what? Oh, fuck on now. All right, so what else I going to do here? It's your pick. Oh, that's my pick. All right, now, I, I don't like the bloke. I don't think he's all that good, but but I don't 
think I'm leaving DeAndre Ayton go past 68. Yeah, I mean, you, you need some bigs. You've got one big on your I team do. right now. Uh, I, I've got a bunch of bigs in my queue, and I was going to reach really hard for one of them, but I don't need to. I'll just, I think I'll just take, yeah, I'll take, Lopez is still there as well. Yeah, I'm just going to take eight in there. Just, I really need a rebound boost. He's not going to kill my free throws. Got a big shot blocker, but I don't really care that much about that. My blocks are actually in okay position. What I was going to say is that the variance in ranking positions, right? Because someone uh, queried this over on Basketball Monster about my projection for Wendell Carter's free throws, right? Mm. Which he'd been like a 73% guy for a few years. Their last season, he did drop down, um, especially over the second half of the year. He was at like 69% or whatever it was, right? Yeah. I projected him at 71.6 and Kyle had projected him at 73.6. So that was enough of a difference that someone, hey, what's, what's the difference between your percentages, right? And there was a two percentage seems like a, a big enough deal. And I went and had a look at it, right? And with the amount of attempts that I'd projected Wendell for the season, which was 220 attempts or whatever it was, free throw, to get from 71.6 to 73.6, the difference between those two numbers was four free throws made over the course of the season. Yeah, right. Which is fucking nothing. Like, it's, it's nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. It's, that's, yeah. It's one free throw every five weeks difference that he makes. Yeah. And we look at this and we look at these numbers and go, oh, 70, 73.6, that's 74% versus 71. Well, that's, it's, it's absolutely nothing. So we can't sit here and look at projected numbers or even productive numbers of what they've done the first five weeks and expect it to happen for this week within that level of accuracy. The variance we've got to put into these things has got to be way bigger. Like, he's a 73% guy. He might shoot 80 one week and 50 yeah. the next week. Well, who knows? It's not that big of a difference, and it's I, I, that that's that staying. That's going to stick in my head for a long time. That this, how little yeah. these things, or how small the, the variance can be, or how big the variance can be, based on small things. Yeah, hundred percent. And even like like you sort of said before, like when you take someone's ranking in like a, a smaller sample size, or like post All Star, post trade deadline, I think that can also be very you know. If you take that out of context, it, it can miss miscue sort of things. Like if you just copied and pasted. Jalen Williams, who we were talking about earlier, um, if you copy and paste his exact same stats where he was top 30 and add back in all of your other projections for this season, like even mm. if it's the exact same, he, he might drop down 20 spots because you know, you've know you got these other guys who maybe jump ahead of him or, or maybe weren't producing what they were doing or what you expect them to do for the season in that time. So um, yeah, those contexts are already important. I, I had a little bit of reaction here, but Austin Reeves has gone at 69 here. Um where 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 do you think? Because I think that's wildly early for for a player like Austin Reeves. Is that is that um, you know World Cup hype at the moment? No, I love it. I actually think it's fine. I don't have a problem with it at all. I think yeah, right. that he's I think he's really good. I think he's going to play thirty four minutes plus probably. Um, the worry I have a little bit there is usage, but he had elite percentages, and I do think there's a level of reality to it. I think he's a good ball handler. And while we can't project injuries, we do know that Davis and LeBron will miss some time. Yeah. Russell's not always healthy. So it's just always, he's always going to be sitting as the third to fourth guy, maybe second guy in terms of usage. I, I don't hate it. Like if I miss him, whatever, I, I would have taken him probably in round seven, but this is a, also a very weird area of the draft. Like after Reeves, Mark Williams went at 71, he was X ranked at 306, which is obviously laughable, but yeah, he was the guy that I was debating whether I took where Aiton was, but he could go at 50, he'd go at 100. This, these, And this is another thing that I think as you make your pick, I'll, I'll talk about this, is that we consider the difference between one and two and two and three to be the same as the difference between 51 and 52, and it's just not. Like the difference between 51 and 90 is the same. So like it's very hard to get critical of significant picks around this area because of how close all these players are in value. 
Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the, uh, another concern I have for, for Reeves is the lack of defensive stats, but I agree. He, he is a good That's player. True. That's true. He is a good player, and um, I think the points, some assists and, and threes will be there. Uh, I'm going to take a guy again. I'm, I'm loading up on players who I was down on last year, but a little bit higher on this year, and the next guy I've got there is Jeremy Grant. Um, hopefully... Lillard is traded at some point, and he's going to take a step up. He's going to obviously forty-two percent from the field. Yeah, hurt my field goal percentage, but um, and I also think he has a chance of playing a bit more center. So I think maybe the rebounds, although they are really small for his position, and blocks can at least take a small tick up. But the scoring again, which I identified as something that I was a little bit weaker on drafting Kessler earlier, um, can get a bit of a boost up. I want to know what you think of this pick from me. So, Jeremy Grant, you took a 75. Miles Bridges, 76. Totally fine. I think we might... You no, know, I am a little worried, but I think we might be sleeping a little on Chris Middleton here. I go with 77. I know that the knee was pretty rooted last season, but and, and it's probably going to be somewhat of an issue, but I, I find it hard to believe he won't beat that number per game. Yeah, I think... I think yeah, we probably are sleeping home at this point um, because I think his stats last year, he did it in, what, 24 minutes a night? 24 so minutes, yeah. He's going to play, obviously, a lot more than that, assuming he's healthy. So, yeah, he should be... We'd hope so. ...close-ish to Chris Middleton, maybe with a small step back just because he's a bit older. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably a pretty good steal there at that point. Yeah, like, again, maybe that knee is a real problem. And I think it might be. But also... I don't know. I, I think every round that we go into a draft, you've got to be still be looking like, can I snag four rounds of upside here? Like that's as I haven't worked out a formula for this, you know, but first round, just give me first round, second round, give me second round, third round, maybe give me second, fourth round, maybe give me second, fifth, yep. give me second and sixth, give me third. And just sort of push it out that way. And whereas a look at a player. All right. We are back after some technical difficulties, but we are back, and the draft is going to get going in a second. Um, all right, so just to recap a couple of those last few picks. Um, after you picked Chris Milton with a steal in the 70s, we went Kyle Kuzma, Jakob Pertl, Derek White, Trey Murphy, Marcus Smart, Jalen Green, Buddy Heald, Michael Porter Jr., and Tyler Hero. What are, you, what are your thoughts on Trey Murphy going at this spot? He's, um, he's an interesting one because obviously he... Had a good season last year, and again, we, we get talking about per rank numbers. I think he was sort of top 50 or so. Now, that was in nine cat. Um, this year, Zion supposedly healthy. Where do you see his role um, coming this season? That's the problem, isn't it, Mitch? Is it like, I, I don't know. I don't know what his role is. I think he's really good. I think he should start over uh, Herb Jones. I, I I honestly think they should bench CJ McCollum even if they're going to decide on things and let Zion and Ingram be point guards. Like, what does CJ provide that's not provided by some of these other players? Um, but he's a little bit capped in that respect. Like, he had a huge leap forward last season. I really liked him in the draft. I thought he was underutilized as a rookie. I love what he did last season, especially down the stretch. I will play him like 37 minutes a night down the stretch as well, like huge, huge minutes. But I, I do worry that they're going to start Herb and Herb will play 30 minutes and then Trey will get 28 off the bench or whatever and be a dud. Like he needs that big volume. And I think he, he, when I say a dud, like I just don't know that he returns this number because I just don't know how much they play him. Yeah. There is a, there is a ton of downside risk there. Again, it's much like talking about Shangun. I know what I would do if I was Willie Green. I know exactly how I would play him. Like he's vitally important to playing this design. I'd either play Zion at point guard or play him at center and get shooters around him. 
I don't need Valanciunas out there. I don't know what CJ McCollum is actually providing me. Like, Trey Murphy needs to be out there. Is that good? But does Willie Green believe in that? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. He's been really slow to make that decision in a few years. So it is a worry one. Oh, it's my pick as I uh, just go on about Trey Murphy. Yeah, so <laughs> give me your thoughts as I work out what I'm going to do here in 15 seconds left. I don't know. Maybe it's a bit of optimism, but I just think that they kind of worked out last year that he is incredibly important to this team. And and I, I struggle to sort of see the scenario where he... I don't know, plays less than 28 minutes a night. Like, maybe he doesn't start, but I think that they've kind of worked out that he's a really good player and he, and he should get mm. good minutes. So, I feel like he should at least get that now, whether... Oh, you bastard again. You took Daniel Gafford. Fuck. Uh, that's a shame. Uh, and I was looking for Duran earlier on as well. Okay, so... Talked a lot about these big guys being available oh, early. Duran go. Oh, yeah. He was on my, in my queue too. Yeah, Duran was one I was hoping. He went at pick 87. Oh, um yeah. So a lot of the big guys that I was hoping to target late, as we said oh. before, are not there. So I'm going to... Onyeka Okongu is the next guy I'm having a look at. And I think... It's I'm really... Gonna, it's interesting to debate, Mitchy. Like, does he, does he go first or Capella go first? Because the two mocks I've done, he's gone before Capella, even though that he's ostensibly still the backup. Yeah, I'm going to take him here. I think at this point of the draft, I'm taking a guy that I think has got higher upside and ceiling. If, for example, these two players were hypothetically going in the 50s or 60s, I would take Capella as the more safer guaranteed production. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I think I'm looking for a bit more, like you said before, the later we get, the more upside I think I'm looking for. And at this point, it's Agreed. starting to tip to that. Let's take a look. He can still produce well in a backup role. And in this, and in this amount of minutes, he can still do maybe not quite this kind of value, but close to. Um, and if he does get, ever get that, you know, Capella's traded or something like that, he can really blow up. So um, the thing I, with him here. the thing that's always interesting, I, I love this thing about Okongwu, is that once Quinn Snyder took over, his fantasy rank went through the roof, right? It was yeah. amazing. But he played fewer minutes. Like Snyder, Snyder played him less than what he was playing before. He was playing like 20 minutes a night. Now, the thing is his block rate like doubled and he started hitting 92% of his free throws. Is that real? I don't know. Probably not. He's not, not that level of free throw shooter. But it wasn't like you look at it and it ties in perfectly. Man, his fantasy rank went from 90th to 40th when Snyder took over. Let's go. Snyder believes in. But it was literally the opposite. He's just played better but played way less. And it, that was weird, I thought. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a really one, a really tough one to kind of – get your head around and, and um, figure out what to expect from him this year, both from a production point of view and a, and a minutes point of view. But I still think he'll get minutes in the low 20s as a backup. Um, but I do think it would require a Capella trade, which, I got, I, again, I wouldn't rule out because it, I it think, only makes I think it's sense. more likely this year. Yeah, look, every other year I've always pushed back on it, right? Um, as much as, again, it's like, would I have traded Capella three years ago? Yeah, like immediately. Like, I'd, I would have done that. I really believe in a Kongwu, but they haven't. But this is the year it feels like that maybe it is a 24-minute split, 24-24, or Capella is traded. And that's, again, I try and take the um, the pulse of the guys covering the team of what they believe. And every year they've been like, no, like Capella's here and he's really important and we need him, we need him. And this year they're like, yeah, maybe it's this year. And I go, okay, well, that actually means something to see that change in, uh, that change in approach, I guess, to how they view Capella for the upcoming season. Now, I've got an interesting debate here. Should, should I take Capella here and, and go, go the, the stack? I'm actually, hmm. I'm going to do not it. Bad. Yeah, not bad. I'm going to do it. At, at 99, I was deciding between he and the other guy I had in my queue, there was John Collins, um, mm-hmm. who's falling a little bit here. Now, he's been pretty boring, I guess, the last couple of years, but 
I don't know, does Utah do the whole Larry Markkinen thing and try and revitalize and get his value back up? I'm less excited about him than I was Larry Markkinen last year. But again, he's he's younger than you'd think. He's actually still right isn't in the middle. 20, of his, he's 25, isn't he? Yeah, he's right in the middle of his prime. So yeah, yeah. I, I went Capella there just because, again, I'm trying to look for that field goal percentage block upside late um, after passing on a few guys earlier and having a few players like Jeremy Grant and Fred Van Vliet, whose field goal percentage I've got to look after. Um, mm. But John Collins was the guy I was thinking about there. You've gone Anthony Simons at 101, which, again, talking about this Blazers team is it's almost impossible at this point of view. But what <laughs> what are we hoping for Simons? Um, before any Lillard trade? Well, I think before Lillard trade, this is about probably the right area for him. He has always in the past been significantly better when Lillard is gone. The problem here is if Lillard is gone, he doesn't move into that point guard role. Because if he's a point guard on this team, he is probably a top 40 player. We've seen that in the past, right? But he won't be a point guard on this team. He'll play next to Scoot. I also don't know where his future lies on this on this team. But again, at this point, why not? Like, I think it's worth the three-point shooting value. He is still significantly better than Shaden Sharp. He is better than Scoot Henderson. He won't be in the future, I don't think. Well, he might be better than Shaden Sharp in the future. I don't know. Um, but I think there's a lot of value in getting him here at this year, especially when I look at some of the other names who are still on the board. Like, or even like, oh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on DeAnthony Melton at 98. I, I, I don't believe in that at all, at that sort of a position. Uh, as in, you think that's too high? Yeah, I wouldn't take him at nine. I, I love Deanthony Martin again, but it's too high. Like I, I just what's what do we do? What do we again? It's you talk about overvaluing guys with single category contributors, or he's more of a single cat. He is a single category contributor, but it's in steals, and we don't. I mean, he gives you threes. He much. gives you gives you good free throw percentage. Um, the he? blocks are actually not too bad from a guard. Um, yeah, but the, the, from a guard, like points point seven blocks is cool. Like that's sure that's all right, but it's not. It's not particularly strong. I don't know. Maybe I'm a bit biased. I, I really like uh, Melton, and I think. So do I. I think. Um, look, you, you, also, you also think that if Harden gets traded, they'll just be like, "All right, Maxi and Melton are our backcourt." Do you well, think depends. that's the way Daryl Morey's looking at it? I have almost no chance. It depends, I guess, who who they get back. Um, which is again really really tough to predict. But I think he. You look at that 76ers like rotation, and it's. I don't know if there's many guys you can really trust um, with a couple of losses. I think who was it? George Yang. They lost. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like there was one more person. Shake, that, yeah, Shake Milton. Shake Milton, yeah, who had regular rotation minutes and they didn't really replace it with anyone. You just sort of expect Spencer didn't. Oh, no, Spencer. Uh, they got Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly. Like, and that's the problem whatever. is how do Beverly and Melton work together? Like, they're, they're very similar. Like, Beverly's not going to play 30 minutes, but doesn't have to play 30 minutes. He will play. I would expect that Beverly plays more than Shake Milton did. I mean, are we really relying on PJ Tucker and 35-year-old Patrick Beverly? No. Um, I don't know. No. Oh, look, I, I really like Melton. I would have given him a starting job three years ago in the NBA. Look, that's, yeah. it's not necessarily about that. It's about me looking at the Sixers and people just go, well, Harden will get traded, so Melton will start. Well, Willie, really? I'm pretty sure if Maury is going to trade Harden, it's going to be to get someone back to replace Harden, not not to get, like, three prospects who aren't in the rotation. That, that's – I don't – and, and I, I really like Melton, but I just don't – how – all the thing is, Nick Nurse might fall in love with him and playing forty minutes a night, but I, I just don't see it. I, I, yeah. And again, I really like Martin. I think he's very good, and he could be easy a top fifty player. I just, it's not just about what I like. It's not about extrapolating stats all the time. Um, yeah. And I, I got no problem taking him twenty spots later. And again, I actually don't have a problem taking him here. I just think there were better options on the board. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on like your team and what you're looking for. Like, it is kind of weird that sometimes steals actually do 
weirdly dry up a little bit later. Um, especially guys who maybe have a consistent role. Like you could look at like Atari Eason or something like that, but those guys are even more skeptical in terms of their role. But Yeah, I don't think it's as much of a problem this year because Bruce Brown's available. Um, Josh Hart's a good steals guy. You've got the two Thompsons who are going to be pretty big steals guy. Herb Jones is still there. Uh, Atari Eason, as you said. Patrick Williams is a good steals guy. There's quite a few. Denny Avdia, maybe get your steal or two. There's quite a few stealsy players. Joshy Richardson, who are going to be Alex Caruso. There's quite a few of them, I reckon, who are still going to be available uh, towards the end here. Uh, there, there definitely are. I think I think a few of them have some question marks, but no, yeah, oh, of it, course, does, yeah. it does feel like there there are a few more later on. It's coming up to your pick here. Who are you eyeing off? Who's in your queue and you're hoping to get at this point? Well, my queue's actually empty, so let's go and have a look. <laughs> Ooh, what do I want to do here? Well, my steals are relatively weak, so what do I... Yeah, but I always find... As much as my team may have been punting points, they're not anymore. Um, I... I might. Where is he on this? I think I'm going to take Jordy Clarkson. Jordy Clarkson. He he seems like just a staple in that team at the moment. Um, oh, Kelvin Johnson goes at 115. I'm massively down on him this year. I think he comes off the bench. I think I've heard you say similar things that. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's true or not. That's that's how I again. I'm a, I'm a, a hater of Kelvin Johnson. <laughs> I just don't think he makes any sense in that. Um, Starting lineup. Um, the big but, thing for me yeah. was the quote. I think earlier in the year when he was ah, interviewed. Exactly, Mitch. Yeah. That's how you. That's how you got to read these things. It's like when I. But there's there's bias in everything because I look at it and go, I don't think he's that good, right? And I would definitely have him coming off the bench behind Vassell and behind Sohan without any question. I would do that. And they have to make a decision before they're going to come off the bench. And the fact that he is the guy that comes out and gets that question asked and gives that response makes me go, that has been discussed already. And it is he'll start some games, but he is far from locked in in that role would be my, would be my guess. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think, I think when, yeah, exactly when those questions, and I feel like, like the Spurs, they're, they're a good organization. They're not, they're, they're a kind of organization that can get those players to buy into that mm. kind of role being asked of them. Um, you know, maybe if he was on, I don't know, pick, by the way, yeah, uh, I'm going to pick, uh, I'm going to pick again. I'm loading up on these big guys late in the draft because I think there are some good value here. I don't love him this year, but he's got no one really to back him up. So I'm going to go Yusuf Nurkic. Literally nobody. Sort of round out my, my big men there. So I've gone back to back to back picks of a Kongu Capella and Nurkic. Again, I think there's some Maybe decent you can go value the du- there. Go the double stack and get Nurkic's back up and draft Ibu Baji for the next round. <laughs> yeah, that will, um, that'll really, uh, be a good, good handcuff there to have me to, Saw up the rankings, <laughs> um, but he's at, at one eighteen. Look, he'll probably no, really he'll, he'll really beat good. this. He'll beat this at, at Portland. Is there he'll pi- risk he'll piss that he's it traded? Um, he'll piss that in. Hundred eighteen is he'll beat it by fifty spots. I reckon. Yeah. I mean, I'm no longer expecting the the bubble Nurkic that we saw a few years ago. That I think tricked. Oh my god, remember that far out? Few of us for a couple of years hoping for that to come back, but. Um, yeah. The other yeah. thing is weird about Nurkic. We talk about trades, right? And we go, well, he's on this terrible contract. The Blazers need to get off him. Why Why do they? What, what, yeah. what, they're not competing for anything. They've got salary cap room. Why would they need to give up assets to get off that contract? There's literally no need for it. Yeah, I mean, I, if he's considered a negative contract and you have to give something up to get rid of him. Nope. He's not blocking the path of any young center coming through. Yeah. There is absolutely zero need for them to give him away. And, and have to either take a discount on what they're getting back in other parts of a deal in order to offload it. What what does it matter? You've got to pay the money anyway. The team's loaded with younger younger guys. That Jeremy Grant and Simons are their two big high play players, and they're not paid 40 million plus 
I don't think there's any need for them to get off him at this yeah, point. I agree. The only scenario I can see is if they do trade Damian Lillard and then for whatever reason, the pieces that they got back was like a young up-and-coming centre. Mm. And they, then they wanted to clear minutes for that player. But again, it's impossible to sort of predict that that's the player. Like, I don't know, is a Nicholas Claxon or something coming back? But again, you can't really... Yeah, I exactly. Yeah, yeah, who, yeah, who would that Who would that be? Like, maybe, yeah, Claxon, maybe it is. Claxon's the guy that comes to my mind, but... I don't know. It's it is hard to sort of project. What are you doing now? Now we're onto our bench, so we've got four benches spots to predict. Now I want to get some upside, but I don't want to go too crazy. I've got the only player in my queue right now is Tari Eason. I'm a big Tari Eason fan, but again, I'm just tough to see how he gets the minutes. Actually, you know what? I know I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to get another young player who. Again, I'm not too worried about his lack of assists. He's got some good defensive stats, and I'm going to get Patrick Williams from the Bulls at 123. Just hoping that he can put it together. And look, he's still 22. He's um, still a young player, and I'm down on Vooch. Maybe DeRozan takes another step back, um, and he can get just a little bit more usage. I don't know, yeah, it's, it's a long it's, shot, it's but... Tough. but if nothing else, he's going to give me some good defensive stats from the, the wing. He's, he's a really good defender. I, I, I agree with that. He also lost his starting spot to Javante Green last season. Yeah, that's worrying. So <laughs> that's, not, that's not a great sign. Um, he did win it back. Oh, to his credit, he, he no, won it back. No, he didn't. Javante Green got injured and oh. he, got, he got given it back by default. Fair enough. That's a good point. I'm going I'm to take Colin Sexton here. I'm going to double down on uh, shitty small Utah guards. Yeah, fair enough. I think is, is he is he starting or uh, I don't know. Is, I have no idea. No idea. I, I don't look. I don't think he's very good, but I also know that he's a very efficient scorer. Um, is he better than Taylor Horton Tucker by a million miles? Is he better than Chris Dunn? Yeah, he is. Does he make sense as their point guard of the future? Absolutely not. Nah. But they don't have yeah. many play, much playmaking on this team, though. I mean, nah, no one, no one can pass. Uh, look, he can't pass either. But unbelievably, he's the best passer on this team. Oh, 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 maybe. Nah, uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> the, neither of them are good. Rough. Markin and can't pass. Collins can't pass. Um, Horton, Tuck, for Jesus Christ, no way. Um, Horton Tucker, maybe. The, the best pass is probably Keontae George, but yeah, are they going to lean into that straight away? I don't think so, but maybe. I don't know. Oh, Asar Thompson then just went at one twenty-seven. Right, how do you feel? You, don't, you oh. don't get to back up the double the double Thompsons later on. Yeah, mate. I'm a big Thompson fan. I think I had Asar Thompson number three on my big board um, this past season with a men just behind him. I'm more on Asar for redraft, a men for dynasty. But I agree. I, I my feeling is that. And again, it's hard to with these players. We sometimes get caught with, you know, Shangun last year, um, Tari last the um, sorry, Shangun two years ago, Tari last year. These guys that are tantalizing in per game value, um, but their path of minutes is a bit skewed. I think I think Asar forces his way into more minutes sooner rather than later, and I feel like it's not as tough as it was for those players in their their um, years. A men's probably a little bit harder. But I think that just with where Detroit is, I mean, mm. you drafted him at what five in the draft, and he's he fits a position of kind of need, I guess, uh, on the wing. So I think he forces his way into minutes at some point. It just depends on how long you can wait. Look, he's definitely going to be in the rotation from night one. Night. There's no question about that. He'll be yeah. playing, but yeah, twenty minutes night. The problem here is to me he's is that yeah, so like Boyan and Stewart are going to start opening night, and it's about. What would I do? I would get Isaiah Stewart out of there. I mean, he's 
he's a backup. Like I would start Asar and I would start Boyan Bogdanovich or I would trade Boyan Bogdanovich or whatever, but it doesn't matter what I would do. Right. It's what an NBA team is going to do. And then you look at the bench and you're like, okay, well, Asar gets all those minutes. Well, does he? Because Alec Burks is still actually really productive and Monte Morris is on that bench as well. So are they still going to force minutes into old mate, James Wiseman senior and James Wiseman junior? Like what are they going to do? Yeah. Are they going to get like what? Are, so it's not like it just as easy. Well, Sarah Thompson's the sixth man. Yeah. What is he though? I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure because this team thinks that they're good. They thought they were good last year, and they were slapped in the face pretty aggressively. But they also think they're good, and well, this might change later on. But Bogdanovich and Burks are clearly better right now than Sarah Thompson. So is Monty Morris. It doesn't mean that they're going to be long term, and that they, they clearly aren't going to be long term. But they are now, and that's really obvious. So. I talked about this on my show. Look, I think that when we come fantasy playoffs, Asar might get 29 a night and be a top 70 guy, but he also might be the 280th best player for the first three months. And yeah. How do you hold on to that? So yeah. I, don't, I don't mind it, but also I'd be like real quick trigger, like a few weeks in, if, if the rotation's not there, like probably see you later. Or if I'm starting to get underwater from holding onto a zero, then see you later as well. I think I think these these late round flyers are always interesting to me and in how long mm. do you hold on to those players that are, you know, you know it can be there. And, um, you know, someone like a Jalen Williams was kind of like that last season. He, and he was the successful guy that mm. went off to, at the end of the season. But he was he was not really doing it at the start of the year. And you had, to no, sort of, you had to cut bait if you were in a competitive league. But say you were in your home league and you know that everyone's a little bit less active on the waiver and, and people do hold those kind of picks a little bit, a little bit longer, then you can go a little bit earlier on these guys, I feel. But if it's a super competitive league, you know, something like the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl or, or something like that, you, you can't afford to have those guys. So, And for that reason, that's why I sort of before that I was eyeing him but went with a Patrick Williams who at least has a more solidified role in my opinion. Mm. Um, maybe not quite the upside, but someone who I'm more confident will contribute early. But yeah, I guess it depends on your league competitiveness yeah, you got you to know your league. you got to know your opponents. Exactly. Uh, speaking of another rookies, Brennan Miller went at 133. I think since that PJ Washington signing, I am massively down on him. And even before that, his numbers, at least in my projections, didn't actually come out all that exciting to me. What, what are your thoughts on uh, Brennan Miller? It's exactly the same. I don't think he's very good. I had him at six in the draft. Uh, I know he went at two, but that doesn't mean that he's good. Like, plenty of bad picks go in the wrong spots. And I know I got into arguments with this on, on Twitter. People go, oh, he'll easily get those minutes. Like, will he though? People saying they'll bench Terry Rozier to start him. Like, the, I, if Steve Clifford does that, I, I don't know. Like, I'm going to get my dick out on the podcast and flip it around, <laughs> get banned from everywhere. There's no way that Steve Clifford is going to open it. All right, Terry, you're on the bench so old mate Brandon Miller can start. Um, I just, it's just not going to, again, it's not going to happen. Maybe it happens in February, but people go, oh, the Hornets will be bad at the end of the year. Will they? I'm not sure that they actually will be. I think yeah. they might be all right. And Miller is... They're getting a lot of talent back. That's for sure. Uh, their team is much, much... Look, more than 30 games of the Melo ball is already like a huge win. Yep. Does Gordon Haywood play more? Maybe, maybe not. Miles Bridges, shit bloke, but decent player. He can play basketball. Yeah, maybe yeah. a very good player. And... Miller's solid enough. Yeah, Kelly Oubre's not there, but Kelly Oubre was a gigantic offensive black oh, hole who sco- scored 20 points a game but did it really badly. Yeah. And Cody Martin played three games last year, and Cody Martin's actually a really good player. Yeah. So I don't. they're not as bad as what maybe you think they are. And Steve Clifford doesn't care about rookies. Like Mark Williams is playing in the G League yeah. for the first three months. Yeah, he just wants to win every game that day and... and- doesn't matter about player development. He'll, he'll even, figure that even out. Even when everyone was out and they were like, man, this team's dreadful and we've got to develop guys. He goes, nah, you're in the G League, my guy. We're giving Big Dick Nick all these minutes. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I mean, does that, surely that doesn't happen again this year with Mark Williams, right? Mm, no, I don't think so. Yeah. I think he is fairly locked in here. Now, it is my pick. 
And if you take my guy here, I will be very angry. Um, and I fear you will. Well, just tell me who your guy is then, and then oh, we'll hold avoid on. it. No, no, no. Oh, there's two picks. <laughs> there's two picks. Um, all right. I actually don't know what I'm going to do here. What is my team doing? I've got two guys in the queue, but I'm not particularly interested. But oh, it is round 12. So it is flyers. I am just I feel like I'm going to do this in nearly, nearly every draft. But let's, right. take, let's take Obi Toppin oh, Okay, there. good, good, good. Okay, all I right. thought it was the other guy that you were going to take. But Obi Toppin was in my queue as well. Oh, hang on. So who's, who's the next guy then? Because you've got these two picks in front of me. <laughs> okay. Is it, is, it, is it my guy? I've got one guy left on my queue is that I was boy? really debating. Jalen Johnson. Is my oh, guy. That's right. No, well, he wasn't my guy, but I am really interested in what he's going to do this year. I I just worry that that his lack of shooting, um, yeah. Snyder won't love it. That's my problem there. Look, yeah, it's definitely a flyer at this point. Um, I've got that many Jalen Johnson dynasty stocks at the moment that yeah, I, I think, am just. I think it could really blow up. I'll, I'm hoping and just, it's probably more of an optimistic take, but I think. If he gets the minutes, and even if it's mid 20s, I think he can definitely do do enough. But again, it's it's kind of one of those guys that how long can you wait for before you, you know he could easily be dropped in week two or three um, mm. in, in this league. But I just want to have that have that punt, and maybe Sadiq Bay just stinks it up, and um, they can't take his lack of anything um, or lack of everything. I should say, yeah, he's shit, he's shit Sadiq Bay. It's not good. Like, but yeah. he is an okay shooter. He can shoot sometimes. No, yeah. look, you know what? He, he's Theoretically, can shoot like he's not always a good shooter. He's sometimes a good shooter, and he's again. It's once you get a reputation, Mitch, it's hard to shake it. Like he's thought of as a shooter, but yeah. has he actually ever been a good shooter? Not really. Like he gives the idea of being a good shooter. Okay, Ooh. so it's coming back to my pick here, Jarris Walker at one forty-five. That's an interesting one. Oh, oh you that was the one. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, that was my other one. Shit. Yeah, he's a massive... Like if, if if this bullshit is true that Nick Nurse wants to use him like Pascal Siakam, he's a top 60 player. Yeah. And I think I think it might be bullshit. I, I think it, it might be bullshit too, but on the off chance that it's not... Again, you're always looking, Mitch, like, who's in front of him? PJ Tucker. Like, all right, cool. Like, yeah. does that stop anything? Nothing. Stops nothing at all. Um, yeah, so Paulie Reed's really interesting to me. I mean, PJ Tucker's... There's been a lot of question marks about what he contributed in the playoffs in terms of like, if he's not going to shoot, like why are you even out there? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to rush this pick here. I'm going to take Josh Richardson, who's a little bit further down at 147. Mm. Could he start and play 28 I, to 30 minutes? The, the understanding seems to be that he is going to start um, in Miami. That's what their, their expectation is. They lost Vincent, they lost Struis. And so even if Lillard comes back and then they'll lose more pieces. So the expectation, I believe, is that, that he is going to start. He put up he's a no, couple of top 70 seasons in Miami. I mean, mm. it was a few years ago. but He's not. He's clearly not that guy anymore. No. But, you know, he's, he's solid enough. Like, he's, he's a good player. He's still I'm, like I'm, 29, oh. I want to say. Yeah, that's about right. I've got a guy here that we just talked about. Like, you've made your pick, but why is PJ Washington still on the board? I'm going to take him right now. Like, why is he still there? Oh, we've got, we've got one more round to go. Fucking, oh, sorry. Sorry, um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we were going 14. Oh, anyway, but I took PJ Washington. Oh, that is, that yeah. is stealth for me is, to get in there. Theft. That is theft. Now, we have to remember also, Mitchie, that when Bridges was healthy last time, he played 27 minutes a night. So, what's his Is he going to start next to Bridges? He should, but. I don't know. That's also a different coach. So yes, so it's just it's more confusion in that whole front court now. Bridges is suspended for 10 games as well at the start mm-hmm. of the season. So you've got at least 10 games where, you know, you'd hope you get some good value out of PJ Washington. And then when he comes back in, you, you'll have a bit more time to sort of um, figure it all out. But 
I, I really like PJ Washington. I, I think that they should be playing him probably more minutes. He scored more last year with a few of the injuries, so I'd expect that to come down a little bit more. But he's just a really solid player, and um, I don't know what you thought about the contract, but I think that that was probably oh, unders of what I think he probably yeah. should get. Um, maybe the, the fact that he's not going to play as much center hurts his fantasy upside a little bit. He didn't really play any at all last season. Last season, Mitch. yeah. He, I, and I think Clifford, like he, I, I was shocked at this. He's only six eight. Like he's not. he's, oh, he's, not he's small. really small. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they, he didn't play at all. It was Plumlee, Williams, and Richards basically also, and then Clyde Jones as well. He didn't play at all at center. And I think that's. Pro, I, I thought maybe he was a small ball center. I'm. I'm not. Sure, I'm not sure that he is anymore. The more and more I think about it, the more I think Brennan Miller is going to be the one that loses out here, and it's going to be Washington at the four, Bridges at the three. Um, for the majority look, of them. But, some, but something's going to happen, right? Hayward's going to get hurt and Miller's going to push up. He's just not going to play 33 minutes a night and be the number two guy. He's just not going to be that. He's going to be... I always forget about Hayward, but for me, he's just permanently injured at this point. Um, True. Like, maybe he but, gets 40 games. But still, yeah. like, even Ball, Rogier, Washington, Bridges, Hayward. Where the hell does Miller fit into that group? Yeah. I, I, 10 minutes off the bench. <laughs> no, nah, look, surely he plays more than that, but maybe, maybe he doesn't. Because Cody Martin... Like yeah. I don't, I don't think Frank Nilakin is any sort of risk or book night or any of those duds, but he's not playing thirty and being the number two offensive guy. I wouldn't have thought unless he comes out and just reverses everything that I've seen from him. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's it's a very confusing situation and a big preseason watch for me. Um, mm. And then the the suspension just throws another element of confusion because you won't get an answer until sort of the third week of exactly of, of fantasy as well. So yeah, and that, maybe that gives him an opening. Like if comes out and just, crushes it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think they'll still go Haywood Washington to start. I don't think they'll put Miller in over Haywood. I don't know. Clifford's a bit of a wild card. Yeah. Well, he's not a wild card. He's just frustrating. All right. Let's look at a few of these last picks. After you've went Washington, Herb Jones went RJ Barrett, Al Horford, Kobe White, and Javon Carter. I just can't get around Al Horford this season with Kristaps Pazingas coming in. I, I know the rankings do him justice, but I don't see much upside here. He's not going to play any of the back-to-backs, and the Celtics are going to rest him as much he, as possible. Yeah, uh, he is season. not going to play. He's not going to play back-to-backs. I, like, he theoretically at 152, it's totally okay, but again, what's what's your actual upside there? Is, yeah. it, is it high? I, I wouldn't have thought so. Same as taking, like, old mate Beef Pandy here took Harrison Barnes at 156. Will Barnes be better than that? Probably. Like, oh, will, maybe. But, <laughs> but, does it, but does it matter? Like, yeah. that's the thing. Would he be 130th? And does that mean a single thing? No, it doesn't at all. And, yeah, like... So, like, these guys, what do you think of these Kobe White, Javon Carter back-to-backs? Um, eh, like, I, I don't really know if any of them are going to be relevant in fantasy. Mm. I just feel like they're all going to eat into each other's minutes and or production. You've also yeah. got Caruso, who just went. It's um, too many of them. Desumnu, like, they're all just whatever. It's Desumnu even going to play? I mean, exactly. I mean, I don't know. Like, that he could. Like, he, he got uh, contracts in the off-season. I mean, they're all just... There and I don't think any of them really take that position and just lock it down and make it their own and put up huge numbers every week. So mm. Carter probably is the the favorite at that point, but what is his actual upside? I don't I don't feel like that's too much. Yeah, I think it's pretty low. There goes a Men Thompson there who's been on my queue for a little while. Um, I just think he's really good. I don't know how he cracks the record. Is, is there what the scenario could be? Does Brooks just take too many shots away from their stars and you see your men playing a bit more on the wing next to a Fred Van Vliet. Is that the scenario that it works out? Look, maybe, but 
there's a couple of things I think there's a bit of misinformation around Dylan Brooks is that well, first of all, you made a joke, I brought him in, right? Wanted him in there for his defensive ability. And there's no debating that he's a good defender. Is he an absolute dickhead? Like, of course, yes. But also when he played next to Morant, Bain and Jaron Jackson last season, he had a usage of 18%. So he didn't just take, mil- he took bad ones, but he didn't take a million shots. And while he, my, my fear is that he comes in and goes, they paid me $22 million a year. I'm the number one guy. Up, he, let's go. Yeah. He he might he might not do that and he might actually defer to these other players. Um I think Amen Thompson's awesome. I think he's gonna show that he was better than Porter, Green, Eason, um, Brooks straight away. But coaches are notoriously tough on rookies and he will make a lot of mistakes. So that path to minutes is going to have to be through injuries, really. Ah, Kevin Porter. I was just going to take him. That's ridiculously low for Kevin Porter, by the way. 161. Yeah. He's, he still will get lots of minutes, right? He'll still be basically the yeah. sixth man. Um, yeah. Usually should one, still be high in that same. second unit. What am I going to do here? So I had two guys in my queue and they both just went. I'm just going to look for a nice little upsidey pick player. Like a lot of them are gone. Um, I do, yeah, they, they are. Um, well, no, I'm just going to take this guy here because oh, do I want to? He's not really an upside. I was going to take Malik Monk, but it's not. KCP's low upside. Um, you know what? To start the season, see if I can sneak it in before the clock goes. I'm just going to take Luke Kennard. Let's see what he can do to start the year with uh, Morant out. He might he, he might hit me four threes a game uh, for the first 25 games. Yeah, I don't mind it. I think. Um, would you, do you predict him being the starter? Um, I didn't at first, and now I feel like it's leaning either towards him or maybe even Laravia is the other option. The other one yeah. that I. Yeah, maybe they could they even try Suntel Dharma? I don't think they will. But I, I think that having that level of shooting is pretty it's pretty it's pretty useful. I thought they would go with David Roddy, who's really bad, but it doesn't appear that they will. I'm going to be selecting the guy who was ranked, I think, top eighty last season at some points in Isaiah Jackson. I know we've all sort of given up on the fact that he's going to break out, but if there's injuries or something like that, um, and even in limited minutes, he could come out and give me two blocks per game. It's probably someone I'll drop later, but like I said, there's not too many upside guys left on the board, so just taking a bit of Mm. of a flyer there at 166. Now, while this draft finishes off here, let's maybe go through your team there and um, you know the strengths and weaknesses in terms of how you think it all worked out. Where did you um did you like how your team turned out? Was there any favorite picks or picks that you <laughs> hated of yours that went through this draft? In the end, I th- I think you know look, I end up getting some of these guys like Sexton and Toppen. I don't like them as players. I'm not. I don't think they're particularly strong, but I think at the spots they're going at, it's relatively okay. Same as like getting Aiton and Beal. I just think I'm just I was just trying to grab some value type positions rather than leaning into I've got to get my guy type of situation. Cause I think that that leads you into a lot of problems with um, just eliminating value on picks. So I, I was, you know, I don't love a lot of these players, like even taking Canard at the end there, but if he gets the starting job for 20 games, fine, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, and if I look at the rest of the list there, like I really like Cole Anthony as a player, but there's just no path to minutes for him at all. Like, yeah. Caleb Martin, yeah, he had a good Eastern Conference Finals. He was shit the rest of the season and the playoffs. Like he wasn't very good at all. He started literally all year. Yeah, these other guys at the top of this queue here, like Mo Bumba, Chris Boucher, like absolutely no thank you at all. Is DeAndre yeah. Hunter going to break out? I doubt it. So I just was trying to take some interesting players to get a little bit of value back um, and just get some guys who I think have got 
with most of my picks, I look at them and go, I, I see the ability for you to get outside of the top two guys, but even Harden, I, I think most guys have got 20 to 30 spots of value upside based on where I pick them. That's yeah. my hope anyway. I really like the start of your draft in terms of going and pairing that Halliburton Harden. Now we sort of, Posited that it was going to be a punt points team, but then you you know Cade, Bradley Beal, Chris mm. Middleton, where you got him, um, you got some really good value in in Simons and Clarkson there. So probably saved a bit of the points there later. And um, yeah, I think in terms of the guys you've drafted here, maybe a little bit more towards a I don't know punt field goal percentage kind of a build, I guess there. Maybe it's, uh, I don't really have much in terms of steals. My steals are pretty steals, bad. Yeah, so that's probably where I'm where I'm lacking. Like most of my back end guys are a pretty low steals guy. But yep. as I touched on, I think steals is a pretty eminently streamable category. And this is the other thing that I've I've been thinking about, Mitch, is that categories that are low volume, they do become a lot easier to stream because yeah, I just I just need one. Like I only need one steal. So whether yeah, to stream points is might be really tough because everyone scores, but. If I can get 30 points, it's really hard to get that off the wire. Like one steal is one steal. Like it's, yeah. it can come, it can come from anybody. Two steals can come. Well, Cam Whitmore had an eight steal game in summer league. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> change your league. These things are really small and they're very high variance. And I'm going to be doing a lot more work on trying to look at the actual overall day-to-day variance of stats all through this season so we can get more data for next year. But I just think that those lower volumes and threes as well in particular, a lot easier to stream in. Yeah, 100%. Um, the way my team sort of shaked out, I went with Shea Gills-Alexander as my first pick. So I wanted to experiment with a bit of a punt assist build. Now, in the first few rounds, I've, I've tried to pick up a few point guards that I think gave me some good value because obviously punting assists, I still need some point guard eligible players. So Fred Van Vliet and Tyrese Maxey are two guys that I can throw in there that are still going to give me some good threes, decent points. Fred Van Vliet will give me those steals. Uh, Porzingis and Kessler with those blocks. And then I've just tried to round it out later with a couple of threes guys in Grant and Johnson to save some points. Um, run of bigs there with a Kongru, Clint Capella and Nurkic, three rounds in a row, trying to get those late rebounds and blocks and field goal percentage. And then these last few picks just sort of uh, fly upside guys in, in Williams, Johnson, Richardson and Isaiah Jackson. Um, in terms of my favorite pick, I, I quite actually like um, Cameron Johnson this year. I think we saw some really good numbers from him once he moved yeah. to, to Brooklyn. And in my kind of a build, I think it's um, it's going to be very valuable. He could probably hit three threes and maybe get close to 20 points this year. He didn't um, even shoot shoot well in Brooklyn. No. Like his three-point numbers were down. Yep. So I, I worry about what else they can do. But 20 points, seven rebounds, a steal... Yeah, like could he? Well, let's let's put it this way, Mitch. Could he do what Trey Murphy did last season? Yeah, absolutely, a hundred percent. He could, and mm. um, and I, I think I obviously I project him to have a safer role um, moving forward oh, as yeah. well. So I think um, I think that's definitely something that I'm pretty keen on this year. So overall, I think I'm pretty happy. Maybe uh, the Fred Van Vliet pick, I maybe rushed a little bit and I probably could have got Pazingas in that other round. But outside of that, pretty happy with how it turned out. Um, let's We'll finish up there, Josh, but let everyone know um, they're probably already aware of what you're doing and who you are. But in case there are some people new to the channel or new to Fantasy Basketball, let us know what you've got going on and, and where everyone can find you, mate. Um, so you can just search Locked On Fantasy Basketball or search my name, Josh Lloyd. You'll find that on YouTube. And I'm on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball, and we're just doing fantasy basketball stuff every day, one to two shows a day. Usually there's lots of, uh, lots of good stuff going on. Uh, I hope it's good stuff, stuff going on on the channel, and uh, check it out. 
Thanks, mate. Thank you for jumping on and um, joining for this mock draft. First mock for the show. And um, let us know, guys, down below in the comment section. What did you think of the mock draft? Did you like my team? Did you like Josh's team? Do you think they were both terrible? Um, but let us know in the comments below. Hit the video. Uh, hit the thumbs up on the video. And if you can, guys, hit that subscribe button and give us a five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. And until next time, we'll see you guys later. Bye.